welcome to Caskets, a podcast for whiskey about nothing in particular. That's what's weird. I'm Luke. That's Jordan. We're going to talk about <laughs> anything. Probably whiskey, though. Uh, I don't. Well, I suppose. You know what? Let's let's push the bar out. Let's mix it up. Let's talk about whiskey. You sure? So last time we talked about really rolling back the clock because we had our winter time break. Yeah, you were busy with work. Well, you were busy with work too. I'm just always busy. All that time ago, the last time we did an episode, we were talking about Waterford Distillery, if you remember, in Ireland, and we compared two of their releases to see just how the barley impacts the flavour. Yes, I believe it was called Hookhead on a Feeling. That probably was the title, yes, because one of them was Hookhead Farm. Now, I myself love to keep to a theme, and so I thought we would look at one of the very last things that applies to a whiskey before being bottled, to completely contrast our last episode. The last thing that applies to a whiskey before being bottled? Getting the bottles ready to have whiskey poured in them. Boom, boom. Yep, I, I am said one correct. of the last things, not the last thing. Ah, uh, one of the last things. Ten- technically, everything is one of the last things. It's like, I might move of last resort. But no, we're talking about colouring today. I thought you weren't allowed to colour whiskey. You are. We've been through this. You can add a little bit of colouring, as we will discuss in this episode. Do they ever add green? No. No, it is only one colour you're allowed to add. <laughs> like a Halloween whiskey, a Frankenstein whiskey. <clears throat> See, I kind of, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that, but I don't think it's a whiskey at that stage. It would be classed as a little cute. Oh, that's what they should have done with the Ardbeg Wee Beastie, because it's got the whole Halloween trailers for it. But yeah, to be fair, it's a big subject in the whiskey industry, with arguments for and against being almost yelled over the table slash bar by fans and aficionados alike. Where do you sound at? Non-committally in the middle. I... I actually, I don't care. I'm actually very committedly on the opposite. So if you've got... On the left, you've got people that don't want it coloured. On the right, you've got people that... And you're on the north. ...want it coloured. No, no, no. And then in the middle, you've got people that don't mind either way. I'm, like, three tables over. <laughs> and I'm thinking... Trying desperately not to be involved in this conversation. I'm three tables over being like, you know what? Jimmy think... Buffett could do with another album I don't release. think colour's real. That's what I'm doing. Jimmy Buffett could do with another <laughs> album release. So colouring gets a lot of attention these days. And it's kind of interesting to listen to the debate because eventually, without fail, someone will say, well, I don't like Dalmore because I can taste the colouring. Slash insert other whiskey name. I just use Dalmore as the example because I've heard it so many times. You can't taste colouring. I'm not going to say you can't because I don't know what other people can and can't pick up with their palettes. You know, I can only talk about myself, me, the me that I am, chasing my own bliss right now. I don't tell other people what they can and cannot pick up. I'm going to break your nose. (laughs) I think that's just pseudoscience. You see, the problem is with colouring, it's... There really isn't, like, any of of the distilleries, they don't really seem to take a middle-of-the-road stance. They're either very for it or very against it, and you never get the argument laid out plainly, which is what I'm going to try and do today. So they're like... You can take the food colouring and your life will go on and change. <laughs> there are some people oh. <laughs> There's some people who can use the food colouring, there are some people who use none. They're the same people. <laughs> no, you see the problem is, and I've I've done a lot of you know, I've done a lot of research and read a lot of articles over the years, but specifically for this episode I reread a few, went onto a couple of distillery websites that I'll get to later on. So yeah, I mean the problem is there doesn't tend to be a central kind of in the middle perspective looking at both sides of the argument because when it comes down to it a lot of distilleries one way or the other tend to use this as a marketing side of it as well you look we use color so we ensure it's always the highest quality or look we don't use color because we we're proud of it and there's merits to both sides of the argument which i will cover but because of marketing they don't show you the other side of the argument by the very nature of it but first of all i thought we'd talk about what the coloring is and how it's added you know, let's just cover the basics first, and then we'll get onto the uh, the views of the topic. 
Ooh. In the production of scotch and the whiskies of several other countries, colouring is permitted. It's only allowed in small amounts and this ensures a uniform and consistent colour to your product. However, and this is the very important part, it cannot be used to create or alter the flavour profile of the whisky. You're allowed to create the colour, but not the flavour. It is not permitted. I feel like I've already learnt that one. The industry, we covered it bri briefly. We covered it brightly as well, apparently. I think we covered it briefly in season one. Um, the industry actually uses uh, a colouring known as E150, which is also known as caramel colouring. And this is created through the controlled heat treatment of carbohydrates, such as glucose syrups, sucrose, and dextrose, as I learned when I was researching this. I don't know how E150 is made. I just eat it normally. It is amazing the things I know through, like, nutritional knowledge. <laughs> nutritional knowledge. And the stuff Pasture that... is not a fruit. <laughs> then I had to explain to my, sale, to my supervisor that potatoes aren't vegetables. I'm not your supervisor. I know that. She was adamant. Adamant. She was like, they're in the vegetable side. And I'm like, well, you're not going to put it with pasta, are you, Ada? <laughs> E150 is a highly soluble liquid, and the industry only allows you to put a very minute amount into the whiskey. This is to avoid the tampering uh, or the over-tampering of the flavours naturally occurring. Uh, apparently, E150 smells like burnt sugar, apparently. Um, I did try to get my hands on some, but for some weird reason, it's almost a controlled substance. If you had, like, a bottle of colouring, you would add that to something. Because you do consume it a lot, to be fair. Mm-hmm. I was, I was curious to do a test, and I was going to try a very, very minute sample to see if it tasted of anything. But apparently, in theory, it smells like burnt sugar, so I guess it will impact a minute amount of flavour and aroma change by the very nature of it. Come on. Do you, do you know how caramel's made? Nah. <laughs> no, but I'm wondering about the, the, the artificial colour. Yeah, which is, which is caramel. Yeah, so what I'm saying is, if you burn sugar and it's giving you that colouring, apparently it does smell like burnt sugar in theory technically on some minute scale there must be a, a change um but i have to say when you work out the volume of the whiskey and the very very small amounts that the e150 is added in it it does seem mathematically at least negligible let's get this off the top of this step dalmore adds coloring to their whiskies my god yeah they add coloring to it. they don't hide that they do it and to be honest they do it because they're very proud of their products i'm picturing like whiskey people just sneaking in the dead of night with like a little little, <laughs> little pet yeah. <laughs> little dropper just like, um, no, okay, no, like full-on high skier like dropping down from the ceiling mission impossible one style yeah. Yeah, they create seriously great whiskey using exceptionally special casks, which they specifically pick for their high quality and the levels of flavours that will impart into the final product. For more of this, we did actually discuss a lot about Dalmore in our Dalmore episode. The thing is, they, they want every single aspect of the whiskey experience to be of such a high level, and so... They want to make sure that the whiskey looks pretty as well. They're not ashamed of their products. In fact, they're very proud of their quality management of whiskey stocks. However, they add colouring by choice to give their product this finishing touch. It already goes into a spectacular bottle for the display. Let's face it, it's got the very iconic stag design on it, very unique bottle shape. So why not complement this with uh, a little bit of an extra shine to it? You know, they just polish it up a bit. It's just one of those quality control aspects, if you like. Um, and it purely falls down to aesthetic. At the end of the day, the distillery isn't trying to pull the wool over your eyes because, frankly, they don't need to and they know it and also they don't deal in sheep so they don't have any actually they do deal in sheep whiskey's just a little hobby of theirs their main their main business is sheep rustling rustling <laughs> don't rustle a sheep yeah you do you absolutely do not rustle a sheep yeah no yes dalmo does not steal sheep see now now that you've said that 
with such purpose. <laughs> I know, with such cadence and, and commitments. It sounds like you are 100% no, sure. we never. don't steal sheep. <laughs> Here at Dalmore, quick, move them. <laughs> we would never. <laughs> Shut up, get them in the casks. Why is that Methuselah cask? Barring. Because there's barley in it. <laughs> oh! oh. <laughs> that was the dumbest joke I've ever made. <laughs> Getting back on topic. <laughs> yes, there are inferior whiskies out there which rely on colouring to uh, draw in appeal. As consumers, the first thing most of us use are our eyes. I mean, I'm as guilty of it as anyone else. However, colouring isn't the be-all and end-all of all solutions. This is why I refuse to ever comprehend anything I ever see. Like I said, bottle design and packaging play a very important role. I don't hear people saying they won't buy a whiskey because the bottle design is too grand and it puts them off. In fact, usually it runs the opposite way and people know they're buying the bottle f for the sake of it, but that seems okay with them. Yeah, I do I do go for the shape of the bottle yeah. first. Yeah, and so many people do. They go, oh wow, look at that bottle, that looks amazing. Yeah, like and the Tam Dewey one. Oh my god, spoilers, the very next episode is Tam Dew, huh? and I have already titled it, because you normally get to title it, and the title is Tam Dew, no E. Tam Dew. Which works on multiple ways, because they don't colour it Tam Dew, so it's no E, one Tam Dew dash, <laughs> we talk about it. <laughs> so yeah, spoilers, the very next episode is about Tam Dew, we're finally getting around to it. But right now we're talking about colouring. Oh, I can't wait. Although I will give you time. this, Tam Dew's bottle is a very distinctive shape. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's got like... Uh... Looks like it belongs in the Great Gatsby. Yeah. Uh, looks like a seltzer bottle. I think it's seltzer. Spritzer? I think you said salsa is <laughs> I Which with your consumption of salsa, you can't blame me for thinking that's what you were saying. <laughs> I would. If the if I had a bottle that size of salsa, it would not last a week. <laughs> if it was salsa verde though, not regular salsa. Oh really? If I handed you a huge bottle of regular salsa, you'd you'd turn it away. You go, no, thank you. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, the fact is that when you buy just about any whiskey, and yes, there's exceptions. I know there is. When you buy just about any whiskey that's around about the ten to twelve year old mark, there will inevitably be a little bit of colouring in it. It's just the way the industry works. Between ten to twelve years, there's a lot of um, the, if the casks aren't performing the way you want them to. There's not as much wiggle room, whereas after 15 years, it naturally takes on that darker colour. You're still in the early stages, effectively, and so they will add a bit of colouring. A less known fact is that the cast goblins do actually go about and sneak into every cast that reaches 12 years to put a little pipette of colouring in there. And, like, they try and stop them. There are alarms and, like, goblin traps and all of that stuff, but some still get through. I'm glad to see that jobs are still going in that industry. Like I say, there are exceptions to this. Um, particularly the cast goblins. In fact, I'd say a lot of distilleries fall under the exceptions rule of that one. Um, but yeah, some distilleries will never use colouring as a principle, and um, they don't see the, the point to it. Colouring costs money at the end of the day, so why should they pay out for something which, in their opinions, unnecessary? I get that side of the argument as well, I really do. You have to remember distilleries are businesses, and like all businesses, they like to make money. So they can continue to operate, especially when you think just for how far in the future they're having to plan a lot of the times. Some might say 12 to 15 years occasionally. Well, yeah, minimum. I mean, you have to also think 30 to 50 years at least. Yeah, some might reasons. even say 100. I mean, 100 year old whiskey, yeah. Yeah, you've just not found the right floorboard. <laughs> what? Go on. I'm, I'll bite. Understand. You know what? I've, I've seen this hook with the bait and the little feather. I, I, I'm I gonna towards it. I, I know there's, a, there's fishing line on it, but I can't help myself. I'll bite. It's not that deep. It's just somewhere under some rich person's floorboard is a really old bottle of whiskey. Oh no, there are bottles of whiskey that are hundreds of years old. I'm saying there's not a bottled whiskey of a hundred years. Like, you get an age statement on them? Yeah, no, that's under the floorboard. No. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. No. It's not been found yet. It's Schrodinger's it's floorboard. It's not been made yet. How long has Schrodinger's floorboard. <laughs> <laughs> the whiskey can at one point be considered there and poisoned at the same time. <laughs> but look, if we stop and think about your average kind of whiskey drinker, not the aficionado, not the connoisseur or the collector, but rather your average shopper. Me. Do you buy whiskey? No. Exactly. That's what, so you don't even make it into your average whiskey shopper category, do you? Which makes me a step above the rest. Perhaps they're buying it for a Christmas gift or a birthday present. Maybe it goes into tea with Coke, lemonade. I don't know. Maybe they just, you know, they just want some whiskey. But if you consider this, most people who buy the whiskey, they do so without the wide range of knowledge that other people have. And to them, if they look at a bottle of 10-year-old Jorah, for example, which is another <laughs> coloured whiskey... It's slightly dark in colour, it has an inviting bottle design, and they compare it to a pale, unchill-filtered, natural-colour, independent bottling of, let's say, Dal Ewan by, uh, by Signatory. I know I would instinctively be more interested in the Dal Ewan as, a, as the person that I am, because that looks different to me, and I, having seen it, I, I, I do actually enjoy it. But I'd be fascinated in trying this different approach to the whiskey. Um, but to them they'd far more likely go for the Jorah because the Dal Ewan in itself, it looks very pale. They wouldn't associate that with the quality that you're getting with the Jorah. And distilleries know this, and marketing teams know this, and this is why you have chlorine in your whiskies. It's to keep going the core range so that you can experiment with the other ones for your um, collectors and aficionados. I'm not blaming them, no more than I blame the people who steadfastly argue that colouring is evil and wrong. In both cases, sadly, it comes down to probably a lack of knowledge and to some extent, I suspect, preformed opinions. I have several whiskies in my personal collection, some of which we have reviewed before. You have too many whiskies in your personal collection. I, I narrowed, I, I trimmed my collection down considerably actually, so there, it all fits in a cabinet now. I have non-chill filtered, I have natural coloured whiskies, which I like for their inconsistencies and varieties. I really do. It fascinates me, as I've said before. But I do also own Dalmore 15, a spectacular whisky in its own right, which happens to be coloured. Um, I had some the other night, actually. It is wonderful this time of year when it's colder, and I want a lovely big sherry cask whisky, but I would also just as happily have a Glendronic 15 or something, which they do not colour. It's just whatever mood I'm in. I don't care that it has colour in it. In its own right, it's down to the variety, and... Even if my tongue does pick up a taste of colouring, which, to be honest, I haven't noticed, that's just one more component amongst so many other flavours and aspects that I enjoy about whiskey. I really... I've never had a whiskey and thought, oh, that's really off-putting, I can taste the colour. Never once. All of them. Really? All of them I've ever smelled, I'm pretty sure I've said, is a colour. <laughs> yeah, but that's you. You're just random. You're not actually tasting the colour. I certainly don't pick up hints of E150, and if I do, apparently, it doesn't distract me enough from enjoying the whiskey to care. To be fair, though, you would be the worst test because, like, your taste buds are probably going numb to E150. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll be the first to admit, maybe I'm not the best person for this example, but I've never experienced the problem when I thought, oh, yeah, that tastes like burnt sugar, which is what apparently E150 tastes like. And also, burnt sugar? It's not that bad a taste. It's caramel. Give me some dairy milk with caramel in it and I'm a happy person. Now, on the other side of things, just to back up the idea of colouring a little, I have had conversations with people who dislike the wide variety and the inconsistencies sometimes found with a certain single malt. Um, Springbank, in particular, is a great example of this. The number of times I've heard someone say, oh, last batch was a lot darker, it must not be as good this year, or, oh, I, I think it's a lot darker this year than it should, uh, something's changed. 
again, taste is subjective, but for me, the fact that this new batch looks and may well taste different is a positive thing. Um, I can't say it enough. It's the variety that fascinates me. When you have a batch approach, it's always going to be different by, by its nature. That's great. It really is. They're not going to send out inferior spirits. It's just different spirit. This is one of the big things that whiskey experts have to like deal with. And I can understand why you want colouring in your range if those are the kind of reactions you're going to be facing with. You don't want people discounting the, the drink before they've even tried it just because it looks different this year. And it's amazing how many people do. It really is sad in some ways. This feels like a very thinly veiled metaphor. <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> I also found out recently, it wasn't that long ago that colouring was something only done by professionals, by the way. It was back in the time when you started to see a lot of the independent bottlings, and the less experienced people stuck to natural colour and chill fil unchill filtering because it was too expensive to buy the equipment and get it right. So, for a long time, colouring was the pinnacle of whiskey, if you like, and it's only now that we're starting to experience these other styles that we're starting. people are starting to turn their nose up at it. At the end of the day, if you go on to do your own research, and I encourage you to do so, don't quote me like the Bible. I mean, I'd be honoured in some ways and disturbed no. in many others. Like I said, at the end of the day, colouring often seems to come down to a marketing style approach. And I, I can't blame them because anyone who sells anything knows the value of marketing. Brooklady, they never colour and they are adamant and they adamantly state that they never will. Now that's fair enough. They've chosen not to, they're happy to showcase their spirit as it is, because they know that once someone tries once someone tries their spirit, it kind of speaks for itself. Does this mean that Dalmore's worse than Brooklady? No, it's just different. So with that detour into my own opinion, let's get back to some facts. Today we're talking about one whiskey which takes an extreme leap towards the colouring side of things. I really wanted to take it to the extreme side. Ben Dew. Now you may have may have heard of this before. Go on, make your joke, because you were making it so many times when I told you what we were reviewing. Ben Dew what? There it is. Ben Dew draws its roots from a whiskey which did in fact go too far in the past. It was called Lock Dew. Uh, Lock Dew was a release that famously crossed the lines on what could actually be called a scotch. I find it really funny because bottles of Lock Dew, <laughs> Lock Dew, Lock Dew actually go for silly money on auction sites now, um, because it's no longer available for sale, um, because it was banned. And so it has this kind of like own little reputation to itself. And in its own way, it created a piece of history. Um, the flavor of the spirit was apparently somewhat akin to Marmite in the way that some people love it and others hate it. I've heard some really funny reviews, but I don't know just how accurate they are as I never got to try it myself. But I believe one of them said it was like uh, Iron Brew mixed with vodka. Pithani is the bad boy of the whiskey society. I think it is. It's, got, is... Like, it's got like a denim jacket on. It says like 1%. Which is even funnier, actually, because Brooke Laddie tried to, like, market themselves as the extreme kind of, like, lovable roguish distillery, and they hate colouring, but it was really one of the colouring people who went too far. So after Lock Dew got banned, the prestige of what can and cannot be called a scotch was saved, and the balance was returned to the universe. Only, only Lock Dew, master of all <laughs> four elements. However, sometime later, the Speyside Distillery was contacted by a third party who wished to create a similar whiskey to Lock Dew um, for sale in an international market. Obviously, Speyside Distillery would have to find a balance to stay closer to the original's distinct colour, um, while still be able to sell and market it as Scotch. Um, and so Kudu was created. Now, I can't stress this enough, Kudu is different to Lock Dew. They still added colouring to it, but they didn't cross the line. They used some wonderful casts for the maturation, and it was very, very, or it is, still very very popular in the um in the foreign market that it's sold in now last time i checked you could still buy bottles of kudu however it's only available in these certain markets and the uk is not one of them well, looks like we're traveling overseas, boys, because I like that name. Well, this is the problem. It was actually, it became rather awkward for the distillery because people would try it when they were on holiday in these countries. And they'd come back to the UK and they'd want to buy more bottles and you can't. It's as simple as that. So you were forced with either going across, 
bringing a bottle back or two, however much you're allowed in your international carriage. Oh, cool, we're going back to whiskey smuggling times. Or, I suppose if you wanted to, you could go across with... Um, I suppose what you do is you get um, a nice big 18-wheeler truck, maybe bigger. You'd have a nice, really fast Trans Am in the front, doing running blocker for you. Um, obviously, the guy in the car, or, or woman in the car, would have to have an impressive moustache, though. Uh, a very bright red shirt and a, and a very stylish cowboy hat. And then there'd be a lot of country songs playing as well. Is this smoking about it? It is. But yeah, I mean, this is the problem. So Kudu is only available in, the, in these other markets. The thing is as well, Kudu is a contract uh, in effect, which states Speyside Distillery provides it to the one customer who requested it. There's nothing to be done there really. However, they can create a similar whiskey for the UK market and elsewhere. And this is where Bendu comes in. Bendu spends the final part or finishing period of its maturation in ruby port casks, first of all. And it leads to a nice kind of fruity berry side to the flavor profile, actually. Now, of merit is the link that the Speyside Distillery have forged with groups, having released a, notably, they released a Flying Scotsman edition of Bendu. Uh, on the bottle, it's, it looks exactly the same, but the label has a picture of the Flying Scotsman on it, funnily enough. And a portion of all the sales go back to the, uh, the National Rail Museum, which I think is a nice little touch. Also, there's apparently a similar release for the local Harley bike club um, not only supporting the bike chapter but also putting money back into the local community I think it's just nice to hear of distilleries that do things like that now the Speyside distillery they also do other whiskies they call them Spey you get Spey 10A which is a lovely port cask whiskey you get Spey Trutina which is American oak cask matured uh, for all its life and they do 46% and a full cask strength release and they also do Fumare or Fumare uh, it's got an accent on it so I think it's Fumare um, which apparently is translates as smoke or something like that from a different language and I think it's Italian off the top of my head then you um, definitely pronounce it wrong almost certainly but yeah oh, they also do Chairman's Choice which is a spectacular sherry cask one uh, and, and this one is well the chairman of the distillery's favourite casks that he goes and, and selects the spay bottles do look different to the Bendu they're very very tall thin they almost look and I don't mean it's an way, just the only thing I can ever compare it to is a um, balsamic vinegar bottle it's very very tall and narrow but they lovely whiskies in their own right and uh, in all fairness I would love to go back on another episode and talk about those but because we're talking about colouring, that's why we hit the, the, the Bendu portion of their, of their range. So on to the tasting portion of the episode. Spin, 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 spin. Oh, I like the clockwise counterclockwise rotations. That really It's a pro it. move. You only see this in the Whiskey Drinking League. Left nostril says something. Okay, let's see what Lefty has to say about this one. Wait. Okay, left one. Alcohol, right one. Sherry. <laughs> right one. Like a kind of a For Luke's loyal fancast out there, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Sherry. <laughs> now, on colour, because Luke bypassed that one, really dark. Oh, sorry. I mean, look how dark that is. Like, you can see the colouring's been used in it. Now, I should have done this whilst the lid was still on. Let's see if we can just create them. If you shake it up to create some bubbles. If you shake it up so bubbles form on the surface, the bubbles actually look slightly coloured, and that is a way that you can tell if there's colouring in it. If the bubbles are clear, they haven't coloured it. And that's a true story. I, I mean, it's almost... I, I, I go so far as to say almost burnt sugar dark. You know what? What's that aniseed one? Now the legs, they're actually kind of quite far apart. It is a little bit of a viscous whiskey, this one, but they do run fast as well. Now on the nose, now that's interesting. There's a, there's a little bit of a, almost a herbally peppery note to it. I don't want to say menthol, but it's almost in that area. There's definitely a, a lovely kind of almost dark chocolateiness to it um, and, and forest fruits. But there's, there's also on the back, like I say, there's, there's definitely a spice to it. What percent dark chocolate? I mean, it's still on the sweet... I, if that was the dark chocolate, I'd be tempted to eat it. Now, the one thing I've got to do is check the percentage. I have a sneaking suspicion this is 46. Now, it has a lovely richness to it. You definitely do get some of that pork cask influence. Th those berries do kind of come to the front. It has a sweetness, but there's also that spice very prevalent. I 
haven't picked up burnt sugar. Like, kind of, I, I don't know, it's that problem of leading questions and lead, you know, with this... Objection, Your Honor. But we've talked about it before, if you find, if you read tasting notes, you look for tasting notes kind of thing. I suppose if I did a blind tasting with this, that'd be more interesting. But it's such a distinct colour, it'd be a hard one to do a blind tasting for. It's lighter than a Glendronic, you haven't quite got the body, because at the end of the day it's still Spay's spirit. But I think it's great, it really is. And if you're one of these people that's put off by colouring your spirit, then inevitably you're going to miss out on some wonderful experiences and that's that's fine if you're happy with that but it's like i can't say it enough the variety of whiskey fascinates me it really does and the thought of turning my nose up with whiskey or discounting it completely because i've heard that that distillery colors or this distillery chill filters it baffles me because i i would love to try it and then if i don't like it that's fair enough five facts uh five facts coloring is usually was originally left to the bigger distilleries Kind of correct. The bigger distilleries tended to use it more because they were more experienced. Yeah, that's what I said. Go on. I think I've said them all. You've done two. I've done one. No, you've done two because you said that I discovered E150, which I'll let slide this time. Oh, wow. Okay, nice. So you're on two. Kuma, or whatever, is a whiskey that can only be marketed in Kudu. certain... Kudu. Kudu. Uh, in certain countries, and not in England. Uh, so... The UK. There's a smoky and bandit-type heist to make that happen. Ben Du had a bad boy alter ego and that went too far on the colouring scale so it got rebranded kicked the curb got removed from the market got removed from the market I daydreamed a lot during this episode I know you did that's why I'm making you do all five it's, it's, no but I always do all five no you don't no I do because we count them and I listen back and it proves it except for the ones where you like and I think that's enough <laughs> Yeah, but I don't say I've done five, I say I've done enough. <laughs> um, there's a guy in a lake with a tree and he turns into a bird. What? You can't bring in Glendalock into the equation. You can't bring you can't bring St. Kevin into it, and that wasn't even the way it worked. Um Next episode is gonna be about Tam Dewey. That's not a fact that you can go with, I'm sorry. Why? You scared you scared. Just to prove happen. you just prove you wrong, I will change the entire scheduling. You can't, it's a fact now. <laughs> it's a fact now you can't change it that's why we still have that's your opinion <laughs> it was originally a fact so it stayed <laughs> a lot of people pick whiskey based on the bottle you know what fine at yes. this stage well this has been Caskets. thank you for listening if you liked what you heard please rate, review and subscribe on whichever podcasting platform you listen to it really does help us and may lead to others discovering the show Kirk I'd also like to thank Adrian and Alison Murray of the We Drown Whiskey Shop in Bakewell they really are nice people and very knowledgeable on the subject as well as having a wide range of whiskies available wait quick go in the elevator and change your shirt <laughs> let me just let me just rip your <laughs> sleeve so I can get this hyper spray into your arm that goes through fabric <laughs> If you have any questions, you can always email us. The link is within the description below. Bye. Bye. Boop, 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 boop. That's my uh, breaking news article noise. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> $100. And there it is. There's your one little moment, Crispy.